right. and then all of a sudden his neighbor comes by and uh he's like what the hell are you guys doing I was like, ah, it's just a stupid game we played as kids, whatever. He's like, oh, tell me what it is. So we explained it to him. He stayed for three hours to play the game. And I brought it to a party down the street just to see what the reaction was. Everybody loved the game. I had two people come up to me and said, I want to invest in your company. I want to give you $25,000. I'm like, what? The drive came in when I had the guts to say yes and then went all in. Once you're all in, there's no turning back. I have a ton to lose here and I have people depending on me. Right. So I had to make sure that they, I had to check those boxes and say, all right, listen, if we're gonna take a risk here, it's, this has to have a good chance of making. There is just so much negativity out there to provide a little bit of fun, happiness, joy, bring people together. To me, that's the reason why we're doing this. Silver. He's one of the most passionate and energetic people I know. Mike is the co-inventor and co-founder of QB54, a tailgating and backyard game that he and his brother created when they were just kids. Mike is literally living out his childhood dream, but he almost didn't take the leap to make it happen. He and his brother waited almost 30 years before they began to make and sell their game. In this conversation, Mike and I talk about overcoming the fear of starting, how he balances a side hustle with his full-time job and family, and why we could all use a little more fun in our lives. So without further ado, my name is Dan Russo, and this is Grow, the podcast where each week we bring on entrepreneurs, creators, and other inspiring guests to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Mike, what's going on? How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Dan. Thanks for having me, man. It's good seeing you again. It's good seeing you too. Well, look, we we go back a little bit in terms of our history, and uh, you know, we'll get into that. Um, but really, I just want to start. Uh, I typically start with all my guests here. Uh, I, I want to hear, like, what was kind of the beginning of your story? You know, as a kid, where did you grow up? Um, you know, who was Mike Silva? What was the environment that that you uh, were kind of forged in? So. I grew up in Manalapan, New Jersey, which is, I don't know, maybe a half hour from the Jersey Shore, central part of the state, have an older brother by three years, two loving parents. And uh, my brother and I just had the, you know, desire to be outside and, and play, you know, with our friends. And if we were bored, we would just come up with new games to entertain ourselves. And uh, when we were young, I would say I was nine, my brother was 12, three years difference, right? So this is back in the 80s. Uh, it was on Thanksgiving and uh, it was time to do the dishes and um, we don't want to do the dishes. So <laughs> we wanted to go outside and play some football. And, uh, you know, what did we do? We took two garbage cans and our favorite play on TV watching football was the instant replay of that receiver catching the ball over his shoulder, dragging his toes in the end zone and catching it in the back of the end zone, making a touchdown. So we took these two garbage cans and say, hey, you know what? Let's see if we could throw one into the, into the back of the end zone, into the garbage can, and get a touchdown. 
So we just started throwing. It was fun. And we got the touchdown. I'm like, well, let's kick the extra point. So my dad's uh, pickup truck in the driveway had two big CB antennas. And to us, they look like field goal posts. So we got the Nerf football and we kicked it through uh, the, the antennas for the extra point. And this is how we just came up with stuff, right? We, there was other games that we made. We played wiffle ball in our basement. We had an unfinished yeah. basement uh, where we grew up. And, you know, the, the ceilings are, I don't know, seven feet tall. So we're pitching from one end of the basement to the other. We have a, a painted out strike zone on the wall. We would play every day. And it taught us to hit line drives because if you hit it straight up, you're going to hit the ceiling and it's going to come down. <laughs> but all of our friends would come over and we had home run tally marks on the cinder block walls. Every time you hit a home run over the fence, you just put a mark there and you would see everybody's home runs, who was beating who, John. Beat. It was awesome. But this is what we did. We went outside. We played street hockey. We played flag football. Well, not flag football. We played tackle football <laughs> until my brother busted up his eye and he couldn't play anymore. Um, but yeah, this is what we did. We went out and had fun. So yeah, I had a I have a great family. Parents are awesome. My brother was older than me. He uh, I used to hang out with his friends. They're they're older than me, right. so it forced me to become a better athlete. It forced me to to try harder and to do better because I was competing against kids that were older than me. So when I played with kids my own age, I was you know a little bit better. And I think the drive of being a younger brother trying to outshine or get out of your brother's shadow is where my drive or hunger came from. And I'll, I'll tell you a story real quick. So I was a little chubby. I wasn't fat. I, I would say husky, as they called us back in the day. <laughs> and my brother would always bust my balls, call me lard ass, fat ass, whatever. And I hated it. So what did I do? I went out and I ran, just like Forrest Gump. I kept running and running. I, there was days I was running eight miles around the entire, uh, around the entire Manalpin, eight miles. My parents had no clue where I was at but I didn't want to be fat. So I just kept running and running and running. And that was a drive that was instilled in me at that young age that, look, you put the hard work in, something's going to happen. And, and for me, it did. I, I mean, I yeah. saw myself slimming down. I mean, probably helped that I grew up and, you know, who knows, but I ran and I saw myself change in, a, in the better. And I think that was, start of, that was the start of the process of working hard and achieving a goal. Absolutely. It's very clear from what you just said that, you know, your childhood really forged a, a really deep work ethic in you and a hard work ethic. And it's, you know, you obviously value, you know, hard work as, as part of your character. Um, how is, I'm curious, how did that translate over to, you know, your business career? I think you're also, your childhood is filled with a lot of creativity. And it actually reminds me of me when I was younger, because, you know, I did a lot of the same things, right? I was an only child for a long time, right? I didn't have an older brother. I am the oldest sibling now, but for the first eight years of my life, I was an only child. And even then when my brother and sister did come along, there's a huge age gap between us, eight and nine years. So I was kind of on my own wow. other than friends in school, right? So I had sure. to get creative. And then when, when I did play with my friends, you know, we got creative, right? We would play wiffle ball outside. We had an unfinished basement as well. We'd play wall yeah. ball in the basement, yeah. right? Um, you know, we would play kick the can. I mean, manhunt at night, you know. Yep. Um, and, and look, this is in the game of video, you know, this is in the age of video games too, right? Like certainly we did that stuff as sure. well. We had... We had video games too. Granted, they're nowhere near as what they are today. But right, yeah, right. No, I mean, I know you guys had, you know, you had Atari. We didn't have these, that's like, for sure. Exactly. Neither did I when I was growing up, you know, between the ages of, you know, zero and 12, right? I didn't get my first cell phone until, you know, I was 12 years old. And even then it was a flip phone, right? So yeah. I still had at least what I consider to be reminiscent of, you know, a, uh, a childhood without the advantage of a cell phone, right? Um, 
but I, I had a lot of that creativity instilled in me as well. Um, so I'm curious, you know, where where was the point that that intersection of creativity and sort of hard work, right? How where where would that intersection start to come to come into into play? So let me you? just let me let, let me just take a step back. For instance, uh, my dad, uh, probably the hardest working individual I think I ever met, right? Um, my brother and I played sports our entire life, you know, baseball, I was a baseball player. My brother's a baseball player, even through college. Yeah. And, you know, there were times my dad, you know, couldn't make it to the game and I never understood why. And my dad's a more of a blue collar kind of guy, right? He's not this Harvard grad that's, you know, uh, an attorney or an accountant that's making a, you know, a ton of money. Right. He's working down at Port Elizabeth, right across uh, the, the highway from uh, Port Newark. I mean, he put the time in to work. And at the time, I didn't understand, but he came to me and said, Mike, he was like, listen, you, we live in an area where people have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of money, but in order for him to provide the lifestyle that he wanted for me, he had to work a ton of hours to yeah. the point sometimes he's working 100 hour weeks. And as a kid, I didn't know what it meant. But now I understand it completely why he was doing what he was doing. And now I think I'm taking on that characteristic that my dad had. He was instilling it in me, not knowing that it was actually, you know, taking hold inside of me on some level. Yeah. But now I'm addressing that with this business here. I've always had the desire to, to start my own business or to, to make money, to, to call my own shots for whatever it was. You know, Shark Tank comes along. I'm like, man, this is amazing. This, I mean, it's been going on for like, what, 10 years or 12 years. When I saw that show, I was like, oh, my God, I got to do something. But my yeah. entire life, I always had an invention in my head. I was always a day late and a dollar short or didn't have the guts to go after it. For whatever reason, I had the guts to and drive to go after this idea. And I think the reason I went after it was because it was something that we created as kids that we had fun with, that we understood what the potential was for this. And then at that point, I was still scared. I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? How, how do I start from zero? How do I create something from here and, and make it and bring it to market and possibly have somebody buy it? I have no idea. I, I don't have a business degree, never took a business class, but I did play lemonade stand on on, uh, on the computer when I was a kid, and <laughs> and that taught you how to start from one pitcher of lemonade and a tray of ice to turn into this massive lemonade tycoon business. I I think it was called lemonade stand, and, and I'll remember this. You know, I remember today. It was such a uh, an impressionable game to me that it was like, wow, all right, I could take money, I could put it back into the business, I can get better equipment and I can make more lemonade and sell more. And it was just the idea. So anyway, uh, the drive came in when I had the guts to say yes. And then went all in. Once you're all in, there's no turning back. When I say all in, I put in money from my 401k, any money that I had left over. My brother put his money in, uh, not all the 401k, but you know, a good portion yeah. where we got skin in the game now and we got to make this work. And what, what made the, the light switch that went off was when we made our prototype and somebody other than us played and loved the game. To me at that point in time, I knew we had something. And if you put enough hard work and energy into something, something has to come out the other end. At least that's what I thought. And I think it's happening. 
Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're clearly in the thick of all this growth right now that's going on. And, you know, but, but you've been doing this a long time, right? This is not a overnight success project. And I want to get into that, to that starting sure. point from the prototype. Um, but first, I want to go back to something that I think you said, you know, you know, you're talking about, you know, as a kid, right? You always, you were playing up to, you know, your brother and his friend's age, right? You know, you were always, mm -hmm. you know, a hard worker and you think that that pushed you. Um, you know, was there a point and you're obviously your dad instilled hard work in you as well, right? Working those hundred hour weeks, trying to provide sure. a life for you and your family, you know, to, to be able to live in the area that you did. And, and, you know, obviously those are, you know, things that have, um, you know, taken hold in you and root in you right now, but you also sure. talk about, you know, not just the hard work, but also like that risk tolerance, right? Like, yep. like, you know, being able to say like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to take this risk. When, when did you decide to, you know, take that risk? Um, and, and what gave you the either confidence or whatever it was to actually say, yes, I'm going to go do this. So we invented the game. I would say the bare bones of the game in 1983, we went to market in 2016. That's mm -hmm. 33 years later. Okay. Right. Uh, and, and how this 33 years, that's what I want to know. <laughs> so, so my brother and I, we, you know, we played the game. We didn't introduce it to anybody, not our friends, nobody, because we thought people would make fun of us. They think it was stupid. I cared about what other people thought. Right. And it just became a game that we played on Thanksgiving. We call it Thanksgiving classic. You know, he goes off to college. I go away and then, and then fast forward. And, you know, every once in a while when our families would get together, we would play the classic and not think anything yeah. of it. So Fast forward to 2015, my brother's down in Atlanta. His family moved down there and it was Thanksgiving. And uh, we go down there for, for, for Thanksgiving. And it, again, it was time to do the dishes and we didn't want to do them. So my brother's like, hey, do you want to go get a beer and uh, play the classic outside? I said, of course. So without hesitation, we go out there and we start playing. We mix up the rules a little bit, you know, change them up because we were playing with five gallon buckets instead of big garbage cans. Right. And then all of a sudden his neighbor comes by and uh, he's like, what the hell are you guys doing? And I was like, ah, it's just a stupid game we played as kids or whatever. He's like, oh, tell me what it is. So we explained it to him. He stayed for three hours to play the game. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, Frank, I think we have something here. And he's like, nah, it's nothing. So the next day, which was Black Friday in the morning, we started playing again. And his neighbor comes by and he goes, guys, I went online last night. This isn't anywhere. I'm like, this guy's going to steal our idea. We got to do something about it. So at that point in time, I, I think I even had the, the conversation on a GoPro camera. I said, Frank, mark my words. If we do this, we're going to sell over a million dollars worth of product one day and blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, we hit that mark last year. We sold over a million dollars in one year. But before we get to that point, I'm driving home 14 hours from Georgia to New Jersey saying, we got to do this. We got to do that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going a mile a minute. We got to get patents. We got to, because you watch Shark Tank. This is what these guys do. You got to protect right. yourself. So I'm going through all these things in my head. And my brother's like, dude, chill, slow down. <laughs> First of all, we can't make a game out of a bucket. Who's going to bring a bucket anywhere? Anybody can do it, something with a bucket. So he came up with the idea of making it out of a chair. I'm like, a chair? So I went to Models. I got myself a chair from there. And I'm trying to think, because we were originally trying to do it out of the bucket. And we're like, where could you put the field goal post? Because that's a big part of the game. Right. So I go to Models. I come back. And this is where I had the aha moment. I unscrewed the screws on the back of the chair, slid the fabric off. And there was two posts to the frame of the chair. And I'm like, that's it. 
I could put PVC pipe in the form of a, a, a field goal post attached to the chair that way, ran to Home Depot. I got all the pieces, cut them up, put them together, took a video of it, sent it to Frank. I'm like, dude, this is it. I have my mother-in-law. She cut a hole in the seat, attached a mosquito net to it because that's all we had. And then she sewed a flap and I brought it to a party down the street just to see what the reaction was. Everybody loved the game. I had two people come up to me and said, I want to invest in your company. I want to give you $25,000. I'm like, what? What? First of all, I didn't, I didn't take the money because I didn't know what to do with the money if I did right. get it. And um, so then I had a professional prototype made. And um, I, it was some woman in Princeton. I don't know. She had a, a, a sewing shop. And I, I asked her. I told her this is what I wanted to do. So she made it for me. And I'm a baseball coach. And this was the real kicker. I went down to a baseball tournament in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, with the coach, the team I was coaching. And in between games, you have downtime. So right. I set it up. Family after family that I walked by looked at this and said, this is awesome. What is it? How do you play it? Where do I buy it? And how much? And at that point in time, that's when the light bulb went off. That's when the risk tolerance came down here and said, let's go for it. And that's right. what we did. That's awesome. You know, I think a lot of people think that you have to dive into something. You have to go from zero to a hundred, you know, with an idea, right? But it's really nope. clear that, you know, you had a few aha moments and it was not just this, this, it wasn't just one moment that said, you know what, we're going to go do this, right? We're going to go sell. It, it, it was a progression of those moments, right? You, you, you play yes, with your kids, right? You play Dude, with your I, got, kids. I got a wife, I got a wife and family that I have to support, right? Yeah. Uh, Dan, Dan, how old are you? 26. You're 27 26. in a couple of weeks. <laughs> All right, 27. So we're in different stages of our life, right? right? So I'm 47 and I have two kids to feed and I have a wife and I have a house that I got to pay for. If I was 27 or 26, I probably wouldn't have checked off all these boxes before I probably would have went right into it. Right. I probably, cause I have nothing to lose. I'm not saying you don't have anything to lose, but right. I have, a, I have a ton to lose here and I have people depending on me. Right. So I had to make sure that the, I had to check those boxes and say, all right, listen, if we're going to take a risk here, it's, this has to have a good chance of making it. And, mm -hmm. and Oh, by the way, I have to get a buy-in for my wife, you know? Oh, can, can I take out $50,000 and start a business? What, what are you going to use that for? <laughs> But she believed, she believed in me. And, you know, fast forward to now, we've grossed over $2 million in sales. That's incredible. That's incredible. And I think you're right. I think that I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to actually touch on, you know, um, because I know your story, right? You and I met about, yep. man, what is it, four years ago at this point, which oh, is kind of like crazy that, yeah. to think about. Right? Great video too. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great absolutely. video you took. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I mean, we met, we met at the Rutgers tailgate originally when, when Mike yeah. kind of saw you guys playing the game. You met my wife. It was me, my wife, yes. and my two kids hustling. And, and Mike said, go talk to that woman. And then that's what happened. That's how it started. I did. I remember that. I remember that. And we got into conversations. And then before I know it, a month later, or maybe shorter, I'm in the Meadowlands. I get a parking yeah. pass that morning. I wake up on a Saturday at 7 a.m. to meet you guys there for a yep. one o'clock Giants game. But you weren't going to the game. You were going there to sell the product, which I thought was incredible. Um, and I want to get into that in a second. But I also want to recognize what you said earlier. And I want to get into this, which is, you know, the methodical approach you took was because you had to be practical about it. Right. And yes. I think that that's something that escapes a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of people is that they think that they either have to be one or the other. They either have to, you know, be all in 
or not do it at all. Right. And there's right. room on that spectrum to be able of to course. take those smaller steps and to do it slowly. Right. And I think, you know, even though I am younger, if I was going to do something like this, which I am with this podcast, right. I am, you know, taking a risk. I'm putting time and effort into it outside of sure. mine you know, quote unquote, nine to five, if you will, right, to put this together and to, you know, I have vision for it that it might be a, a money generator one day, right? I don't know if it's going to or not, but hope, you know, hopefully we can, hopefully we can get to try. Right? Absolutely. Exactly. And so, you know, I'm putting in slow growth and progression to it to be able to, I, I started this, I started recording interviews in April, I think, um, not because, and, and there was a little bit of prioritization in there, you know, and then I really picked it back up in the last couple of months, but it's been a slow progression. And quite honestly, I think that's why I've been successful. So I really appreciate that you said that, um, because I think it's something that, you know, compound growth and, you know, slow growth, right. And over time, you know, makes huge change. And I think that that's something that you do, uh, you, you've done incredibly well, um, you know, with this with this product. And, and I also just like, again, the practicality of it, right? Saying I've got a wife, I've got two kids, I've got this house, right? We can't, you know, we can't go backwards. We can't lose this, right? So how do we maintain right. and also take this? And, and like you said, there wasn't, it's not like there was no risk involved. You took out of your 401k, your brother did the same thing. You had to get buy-in from your wife and your family, right? Those are, right. those are things that you're setting yourself up for your future that you're saying, well, you know, let's take a risk and use it now to build something that could potentially, you know, be even better for our future. Right. And will also give us more happiness in this moment. So and I can't, I can't imagine, imagine my life without taking this journey. Right. So I have a nine to five as well, just like a lot of people do. And this is my side hustle. Okay. Yeah. And I've been doing that for about 25 years and great job provides and everything. But, but I would say it's not my passion. My passion is this. My right. passion is creating something from nothing and then bringing it to the masses. And I'm getting goosebumps. I don't know if you remember, but when you were filming, when we were at Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium, I think it might have been Giant Stadium at the time. But when you were filming, I remember this. There were people in the distance playing our game. And yep. I stopped everything and I said, I got to go over there and say hello. And you, I think you might ask me, well, why do you want to do that? I said, listen, somebody bought my game. I have to go over there and thank them for, you know, their support. And you said, what does that feel like that you see somebody playing your game? And I believe I said to you this, I said, imagine you're this teenager in your basement, picked up a guitar. You love playing the guitar. You're tooling around your basement for years. You're making up songs and blah, blah, blah. And then one day you join a band or you create a band and you make it. And now you're on stage and you're playing those songs that you've figured out in your basement or whatever now you're on stage in front of thousands of people and they're singing those lyrics back to you that's the feeling i get or imagine i would get if i was on stage but that's the feeling i get when somebody is playing my game that i created or my you know my brother's night game that's the feeling i get and it never gets old ever that's incredible that's awesome i mean you're a bona fide rock star <laughs> <laughs> For chairs. <laughs> no, that's incredible. It really is. And what I mean, and and when you when you look back on you know the last few years of progression, um, you know, I want you to talk a little bit about that dynamic between your full time job and this being a side hustle, right? And, and you know, um, get into what you can get into, but you know, how do you balance that nine to five and the side project 
you know, with everything else that you have going on as well. Right. So talk about, you know, cause you're a family yeah. guy, right. And yeah. so talk about so, how you so, balance the different spheres of your life, work, side hustle, family time, etc. Right. So, so work, obviously, since that puts the food on the table, that trumps, you know, everything, you know, I have to, you know, if something comes up, I have to address it, but I do have flexibility with my job, uh, flexibility schedule where I can, you know, uh, I have a lot of time at night, you know, where I can work on this weekends. So my job is basically, you know, during the day, Monday through Friday. So, but what I did and what, what made me feel less guilty about doing this. And, and I'll tell you why. So I told you before, my dad worked a ton of hours, right? right? And there was a lot of games he couldn't go to or whatever. And I didn't understand why, but I hated that feeling as a kid, you know, wanting to see him in the stands and he wasn't there. Um, so I wanted to make sure that this didn't happen, you know, with my kids, you know, anytime I missed a game or whatever, it, it was like a dagger in the heart and I didn't miss yeah. many. Um, but selfishly, I got them involved in the business. How did I do that? So, and I'll explain. Dude, this last weekend, this, like two days ago, uh, Friday night, as soon as we got done with work, my daughter comes with me. We drive out to Columbus, Ohio. We went to the Ohio State game, Ohio State, Michigan State, tailgated there, sold games. After that, when the game started at noon, we leave and we drove to Cleveland, got in a hotel over there, stayed overnight. And then we went to the Browns game and we tailgated there. It was one of the best experiences I ever had. Seven and a half hours alone with my daughter. She's singing her heart out. Maybe she can't <laughs> carry a tune or I either. But for seven and a half hours, we are just bonding there, bonding every hour of the day there, those two days there, and then home. So getting my kids involved, my wife involved, obviously. Yeah. Uh, helping out with fulfillment. She goes to games with me as well. But bringing these kids to Buffalo, to Cleveland, to West Virginia, all over the country, it's just priceless. And the, I hope they're learning something. Okay. Look, I, I learned from my dad. He was, I can only imagine what's sticking with these kids that they're going cross country with me, seeing me hustle, talking to people, strangers, and just pitching the game and people buying something has to stick. I don't know what it is. Hopefully it does, but we'll see. That's incredible. <laughs> something is going to stick. You know, you talked about getting boost goosebumps earlier when, when seeing your game in the distance, I'm getting goosebumps right now, listening to your story because <laughs> you have broken the narrative, the, 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 the typical cultural narrative of what, what an entrepreneur means, right? Because you are okay. obviously clearly an entrepreneur. You took something that you came up with as a kid, you started it and you've created it and it's crushing it. Right. And yeah, I think that that the narrative is that in order to do that, you have to take, you know, life altering risks and leave everything else behind and you have to put your house on the line and all this other stuff. And I feel like that that is the mainstream narrative. But you found a way to involve your family because the other narrative is that you don't see your family if you're an entrepreneur, right? right? You have to eat, right. sleep, et cetera, the business. And obviously I'm sure, and we've talked about there being sacrifice that you've made, right? Whether it be the four or the risk that you've taken with the 401k sure. and, you know, with, I'm sure that there are times when, you know, perhaps maybe your son or daughter doesn't want to come, you know, of course. to yeah. a game that weekend, right? So, they want to go hang so, out or they have a conflicting sports schedule, right? So talk per to me perfect about example. How, how you compromise that stuff. So perfect example this past weekend. Um, my, my, my daughter and I, we went to Cleveland. Yeah. My son had the biggest race of his life at home Dell park meet of champions. 
he's working his ass off. I've been to every, almost every meet leading up to this. Yep. And, uh, he, he, they had States or whatever, and they qualified and he's running, he's doing awesome. And now I find out that they, uh, have to go to the meet, not have to, they, they earn the right to go to the meet of champions. I'm like super ecstatic for him on one side. And then the other side, I'm like, I got to miss it. So I talked to him and I said, Hey, and I said, listen, I said, I apologize. I can't be there. He's like, he's like, you know what? That it's okay. He's like, you've been to every one of my other meets, go out there and kill it. He calls me up. Hey, how'd you guys do? What restaurants did you go to? So he was always part of picking out the, the places we go eat every time we go out there. Yeah. We used to watch triple D all the time. So we used to go to all the triple D places, you know, that guy Fury goes to on the food network. That was his deal. So we went to the, I went to the same restaurants with uh, my, my daughter and he was like, he's like, Oh man, did she like it? So he was totally like involved, even though he wasn't there, but a part of me was dying that, you know, I wanted to see him run. Yeah. But another part of me is like, another part of me is like, look, I've been there trying to rationalize it. And this was my first road trip with my daughter. And it was awesome. I mean, right. we, I, my opinion, I thought we really bonded. And uh, honestly, if we didn't sell one game when we were out there, it's okay. Because yeah. I had that time with her and it was great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. I mean, look, you can't, even as a father, you can't be everywhere and do everything, right? Especially right. with multiple kids, right? Yeah. And I, I think that it's incredible that you've been able to not only involve your family and integrate them into the business and get them involved, because that means that, you know, time at the business is effectively time with them as well. And you guys get sure. to share this journey together. But at the same time, when, you know, you did have to miss something, you had to make a compromise, right? You're going on this road trip with your daughter. It's going to be a bonding experience for you guys. You guys are also taking care of business, right? You're, go you're selling yeah. games, you know, you're building the brand, you know, literally pounding the pavement, building the brand. Yeah. But at the same time, your son has this incredible, you know, opportunity and race to go out there and perform, you know, at a, at a level that he hasn't yet. Right. And, um, you know, you got to miss that, but you've instilled this, you know, this, uh, excitement for your product in your kids that he's probably so excited for you that he's like, dad, you got to go do this. <laughs> you know, I get it. You yeah. know? Yep. I mean, yes, I, we've, I've, the majority of trips I went on has been with him because he was super interested. Now yeah. he's getting a little bit older, you know, he's 15, 16. He's got his own interests, wants his freedom. So yeah. he's probably, all right, dad, you do your thing. And now my daughter's coming up to the age where Aiden, my son Aiden was really into doing all stuff. So like one leaves and another one's coming up. So I'm trying to hang on to this as long as I can. I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. And and by the way, you're talking to my heartstrings because uh, I ran cross country in high oh, school. Oh, no way. And, uh, yeah, my friends, you know, I never got to participate in the Meet of Champions myself, but I had a really good friend of mine uh, who was a senior when I was a sophomore. He got to race. And so I, I got to be part of, uh, you know, you what was that? What school did you go to? Middletown, Middletown High School oh. South. South, no Lions or Eagles? What, what are the Eagles. Guys? Yeah, Lions? North is the Middletown North is the Lions. Oh, okay. Okay. I got yeah. you. We played against you guys in baseball. So I, I totally, I totally forgot, but I remember yep. playing you. Where do you, where do you live now? I'm in South Brunswick, right outside of Princeton. Awesome. In between, Very in cool. between New Brunswick and Princeton, I'm right in there. Anybody that doesn't do New Jersey, no, won't, that's listening to this won't know what we're talking about. <laughs> For anybody that is in Jersey, look up these we're, towns. We're right in the middle of the state. We're central New Jersey. Exactly. Not central not Jersey does exist. That's, a, that's the second time in the last two interviews that Central Jersey has come up. <laughs> it, it, it exists. I'm telling people. So um, to, to get back to, you know, you had this burgeoning idea, right, of, of you know, you had this point um, of the game where you said, all right. 
let's let's do it right you built it in, in the early days right as the classic then you kind of formalized it back in 2015 2016 you prototyped it and then you did some r&d too whether it was, whether you knew that's what you were doing at the time or not you were getting yeah. feedback right from yeah. people so talk to me to the point that you just that you just left off on where does it go from uh prototype or sorry not prototype from uh yeah. from r d to really like saying okay we're gonna mass produce this we're gonna get our first big batch in and then we're gonna start selling it so yeah so i would say prototype we had the prototype and what what we needed to do is all right well we had a source how, how do i my first thought was all right can i buy these chairs in bulk from models i was looking at sewing machines because i was going to teach myself how to sew and do this and my wife's looking at me like are you nuts do you know how long this is going to take you to do this? I'm like, look, it, it is what it is. I got to do this. And then I had this, um, I had this uh, Models chair with a logo on the back. So I bring the chair to this imprints guy, yep. and um, I bring it there, and he's like, "What do you?" I, I said to him, "I said, can you take a logo off of a chair and put one on? Because I want to put our logo on it." He's like, "He's like, what are you trying to do?" So I, I took the chair out. And it was the prototype. It had the net, the basketball net on it. It had a hole in it. He's like, what the hell is that? And I don't want to give him everything because I didn't know if he was going to steal my idea. So I said, look, I need a chair to look like this. He goes, I got a company in China that can do that. I'm like, great. So he made, so we had, we made 500 games, sorry, 200, 250 games. Cause each game has two chairs. Right. So we ordered 500 chairs off of this guy. And my brother found a PVC manufacturer down in Winter Garden, Florida. He got the PVC. He cut it up. I got the chairs. He drove the PVC up. I had the chairs. He took half the chairs. I took half the PVC. So now we had half of the inventory. And they also made the footballs for us, too. That was our first run at this. And let me take a step back. So before we put this order in, um, actually, it was after we put the order in. It was September. I remember there was a hurricane. Hurricane Hermine was off the coast. We were in what year is this? It has to be 2015. Okay. It has to be uh, no 2016. September 2016, Labor Day weekend. I had the prototype. I go to Ocean City. I have no games. I said I just had the prototype and I'm playing. People are coming up. I sold 15 games on the beach. People gave me cash and their credit card numbers knowing that they weren't going to get a game until November when our shipment came in. This wow. is New Jersey we're talking about, giving you cash and credit card numbers. That's how I knew we had something, and we sold out of our first batch, 250. We had an issue, though. The, game, the chairs kept breaking in the same spot. So they needed to make the thickness of the frames uh, thicker, and uh, he said, yep, absolutely, we'll do that. So we bought another batch off of them. He said he did it. And he didn't. The games oh, kept breaking. No. So, just, so I said, dude, you got to give me, you know, give me my money back or whatever, or make it right. He goes, nah, no, I don't. I'm like, are you kidding wow. me? So basically it cost us about $7,000 and it was a learning experience. Right. So we go out to uh, the licensing and tailgating show in Las Vegas and we meet these two brothers and their dad's an importer from China for the last 40 years. And I'm like, dude, we can help you make this game. Boom, there's our next manufacturer. Yep. Then we move on to another manufacturer. So we kept moving until we found something we liked. And now we have the best manufacturer possible, excellent communication, excellent quality, and they're super flexible on a lot of different things. Yeah. And 
we ask them to do something, it's done. So absolutely, a lot absolutely. of trial and error. A lot yeah. of trial and error, but it, it takes a bit to get there. But once you're there, you dial it in, you're good to go. How do you have a thick skin, a thick enough skin to be able to kind of take those punches as they come? You know, what, what's what's the secret with that for for people who are you know building a business right now or starting anything for that matter, right? How do you how do you develop that thick skin? Because you're going to have hiccups, right? You know, for me, I've had people say no to the interviews, right? And it's like, oh well, <laughs> okay, you okay. know. You just got to keep moving on, right? You got to keep, yeah, you got to keep going. So I'll, how, I'll tell how, you, do you, how do you tell people? So I met this, I met this guy, uh, Mark, his last name is escaping me right now. Um, he's a, he's actually a big, a big investor. Uh, and he's been on like QVC and eight, uh, what's the other one? QVC and HGTV. No, okay. what, it's QVC, no, no, it's QVC. What's QVC's competitor? Um, oh, Home like, Shopping Network. Shopping Network? Just, yeah. Mark, Mark Portnoy. Mark Portnoy is his name. Okay. And I don't know how we connected, but we connected and uh, it's, it's fantastic. Right. So he was going to invest in the company. Who's going to help me take this to the next level. Right. So we meet at a restaurant in uh, Northern Jersey. It's Biggie's. Right. And uh, this is a funny story because uh, he comes out to, he meets me in the parking lot and I'm showing him, I'm showing him the game. And this guy, this giants guy walks, you know, a fan, he's wearing a Jersey or whatever. This is during a week walks by and he goes, what is that? And I go, Mark, watch this. So I go through my whole spiel and I sold the guy right then and there a hundred dollars for the game out of my trunk right in front of this guy. And he's like, Oh my God. He goes, you must have the biggest set of balls because if that crashed and burned, you would have looked horrible, but dude, you just hit a grand slam. So we developed this relationship and I, I told him the story about this manufacturer and, and he gave me a good bit of advice. He's like, Mike, he's like, just let it go. I'm like, what do you mean? Let it go. He's like, look, stuff like this is going to happen. Yep. He's like, what are you going to do? You're going to put all this energy into getting this money back, hire an attorney, do this, do that. You might get the $7,000 back, but you know what? It's going to cost you $10,000 to do it. He's like, you got to pick your battles. And to me, in my opinion, this one's not worth it. So I listened to him and yeah. I let it go. And I use it as a learning experience. And every one of these hiccups or pitfalls I use. There was another a company that we sunk $20,000 into. They said they were going to sell every game that we had. They sold zero. That was a huge lesson learned. And we have not made that same mistake again. Now, if I had to go back in time and change those things, I would say absolutely not. Because if I didn't learn that lesson that soon, I might have learned it later on, which would have yep. been more expensive. So, so for the entrepreneurs that are out there, you're going to have these pitfalls. You're going to make these mistakes. You're going to fail. You just have to learn from them, make the correction, and move on. Right. There's there's some quote out there by somebody, and I don't know who it is, but I'm going to paraphrase it right now, which means there are no failures. There are just learning opportunities. And yeah. it sounds like, you know, you are, it sounds like, you know, with each punch that you take, you know, you just, you say, all right, hit me again, because you know that they're going to come, but at the sure. same time, you're going to learn from them. Right. And maybe you can dodge the next one, or maybe hey, you can just, if you know, you're not failing. If you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. There you go. I love that's that. my quote. All right. Okay, that's, that's your quote. And I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to put that on my Instagram later. All right, go for it. Um, so you, you, 
you guys, you know, go through these, you know, a, 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 a gamut of manufacturers, revolving door, right, over a couple of years, et cetera. But talk to me, how are you selling these things, right? Was it automatically e-commerce? Were you pounding the pavement? Were you doing both at the same time? So talk so, to me a little bit about the progression of how you started selling these things to where you are today. Sure. Uh, in the beginning, it was all pounding the pavement. You know, we have a website, it's up there, but nobody knows who the hell we are. Nobody's searching for us. I don't know how to do Facebook marketing. I don't know how to do Google AdWords. I don't know how to do anything. The only thing I know how to do is get in front of people, talk, sell, and play. So that's how we were selling everything. Um, fast forward to last year, right before the pandemic, right? 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Sergey calls me up. Sergey is a mutual friend. Uh, Sergey is also a very good friend of, uh, of another friend of mine, your, your ex-boss or whatever, that Mike Luzio, who, you met, uh, who we met at uh, Rutgers. Yep. So Sergio, Ser, Ser, uh, Sergey and Luzio are good buddies. And um, we, st- we went down that path in the beginning trying to get on the show that he was trying to make or whatever at the time. And for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. And that's where we met Sergey. Three years later, he calls me up out of the blue. He's like, Mike, how you doing? I'm like, who's this guy? And he introduced us. Oh, yeah, I remember. So he's like, hey, you want to jump on a Zoom call like this? And he goes, are you, are you guys doing Facebook advertising? And I said, well, um, not really. I mean, I am. I don't know what I'm doing. But he's like, let's do a 90-minute call on Zoom. Show me the back end of your Facebook advertising. So we did. He goes, all right, I want you to just change three things. Sorry, two things. And then tell me how it works. We were selling maybe one, maybe two games every three days. Right. And uh, I changed those two things. We sold four, five in one day, six, seven. He's like, all right, increase the budget 25 bucks. Increase it 50. Increase it 100. We got up to $300 a day. Mind you, I was spending $20 a day. He's like, I'm like, $300 a day? So, and he started bringing sales in. And he goes, Mike, how much do you want to sell this year? I'm like, Sergey, I'd love to sell a million dollars worth of product within the next 12 months. He's like, done. And he's like, and then the next question out of his mouth was, if somebody was going to put $500,000 in your pocket profit, how much would you pay that person? <laughs> and I said, I'm like, wow, that's a question. Yeah. So um, anyway, long story short, I made Sergey part of the team. I gave him a piece of the business because he hit that milestone of a million dollars in, in less than 12 months. And we got up to the ad spend. I think the most we ever spent in a day was $20,000 Wow! in one day spent in ads. It was crazy. So now you ask me the question, what percent is online versus I would say 90, 90%, 95% of our sales are now e-com versus me pound the pavement, but I still go like I did last weekend because there's still a lot of value in my mind going out there, introducing the product, people getting their hands on it, touching it, they're feeling it, they're experienced. Plus I get content. That's how you make our ads. All of our ads are document everything. I've seen them so, on Instagram. I was just on the Instagram page yesterday because I was like, you know, I'm doing some research for this interview. Sure. I want to get caught up on where the brand is at. And it's just such great content, right? Because a lot of your competitors, you know, we'll, we'll say quote unquote competitors, right? The can jams, yeah. the cornholes of the world, right? They don't do that. They don't go out and interact with their customers. They don't, you know, you know, they might have people send in videos, right? Or source right. them from all over the, you know, the, you know, Instagram and social media and the internet, but 
they're not the one holding the camera or sometimes in the video with the customer, right? I, I can't right. even think of maybe back in the old days in the early days they did that. I don't know, right? I don't know oh, their right. stories, but I can tell you right now, I haven't seen, I have not seen any company, you know, do that as much as you have, or the companies that I have seen in different categories doing that right. are also ones, you know, kind of, you know, kicking ass like you guys are. So right. talk to me a little bit about you, you, you've got this. And I know Sergey, he's a great guy. I didn't know that he did yeah. Facebook ads up until you told me. Oh my God. Next he's conversations. A um, I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's obviously hitting some home runs for you guys. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, where do you go from here? What's the vision for the company? How do you want to, you know, grow this thing? Is it something that you want to blow up into, you know, a, a really large company and a really large exit? Or is it something that you want to kind of, you know, keep steady as to where you're at or somewhere in between? So, you know, uh, uh, there was an investor that asked me the question, what do you really want to get out of the, out of the business? Right. And I said to him, Oh, you know, I want to grow this to 30 million, $40 million in exit and, and, you know, make a, a bunch of money. He's like, is that really why you started this business? And he stopped me in my tracks and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? No, it's not. The reason we started this business. And I remember having this conversation with Frank, you know, we started this business. We wanted to roll up, to any tailgate, any beach, any backyard, and see people playing our game. At the end of the day, we made a kick-ass fun game that we love. And there is so much negativity in this world. It's ridiculous. Whether what side of the political spectrum you're on, whether what color you're up, you are, whether you're canceled today or canceled tomorrow, there is just so much negativity out there to provide a little bit of fun, happiness, joy, bring people together. To me, that's the reason why we're doing this. And if we could exit and make, you know, a, a, a boatload of money, awesome. That'd be great. Um, but the reason we're doing this is to add some fun into the world and, you know, to pass something on to my kids. And hopefully one day, you know, somebody might go up to them and say, Hey, did you guys, did you ever play that QB 54 game? It's awesome. He goes, yeah, that's my dad's game. He invented it. You know, I would love awesome. to be there on the fly, you know, flying a wall one day to hear that. Yeah. But to answer your question, how do we get to that next level? If it's just Frank and I and the resources that we have, it's difficult to get to that next level. You have to bring money and you have to bring people in. Um, and we are, we are talking to a couple of different companies and there's some that are very serious, uh, in doing business with us that have the resources that have the, the capabilities of getting into every big box store, possibly getting into, you know, all the colleges, maybe even the NFL. My goal one day, I would love to see in lights QB 54, the official tailgating game of the NFL. That would be incredible. We did that. That's when we made it. I can look back and say, I've been going to all these parking lots left and right, and now I'm invited in. Come on, this is great. See, look, I even stole their logo. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I right? love it. I love it. And they're going to use that because I, I believe that you guys are going to get there. It's our chair. It's our chair. What's that? I said, I believe that you guys are going to get there. And then they're going to take that logo and they're going to thank you for saving them the trouble of having to, to create it. <laughs> Look, it's even on my phone. It's on my phone case. <laughs> That's incredible. Don't tell Roger Goodell that. He'll, he'll probably take my house and take both of my kids. This is, I, I won't. I won't. This is my, this is my marketing brain going. Honestly, you know what I, I would do if I was you? I would use that you know maybe the logo right you know what i mean if you can and i would say 
the unofficial tailgating <laughs> NFL because you guys are taking it by storm. That's what yeah. you're doing, right? Lean into the fact that, you know, you don't have a partnership with the NFL, but no. maybe you're working on it, right? Maybe you're working right. on all these different things, but Hey, right now, this is, this is who we are, right? We are the unofficial tailgating game of the NFL, because, <laughs> <I love it. laughs> you know, because we're, we're just like so it. popular by popular demand of the fans. We are here. Right. Yeah. And by popular demand of you who, who, you know, is just going around, like I said, paving the pavement, you know, pounding the pavement after, the, you know, all these years. Um, that's incredible. I, I believe that you guys are going to get there just because you've got such a clear passion for this and you're willing to do, you know, whatever it takes, um, you know, uh, within within that that reasons kind of that we that we talked about earlier. Um, is there a point where, you know, you say, you know, OK, I I got to, you know, potentially, you know, leave my nine to five to be able to go do this full time? Or do you see this as something that you can sustain as a side hustle, you know, to, to get to those next levels? Right. Um, I think currently I could probably sustain it. Um, if it gets to the point where, you know, this is really growing and I'm, I'm taking in, you know, a good amount of money where it doesn't make sense to work anymore. Then at that point I would. Um, but I got two. I got two college tuitions that I'm going to have to be paying for very soon. So um, I got to make sure I have something secure behind me before Absolutely. I jump in all in. But um, yeah, I mean, I would love for this to, to be my full time, my full time gig at some point, Absolutely. or maybe even retire and, and then you know just do this. Yeah, one million percent. What's your advice to anyone, any age, right? Someone who is you know early in life, high school, you know, like me, you know, a young professional or just out of college, right? Someone who's in college or someone like you who is, you know, well into their career and working and, you know, or, or someone maybe who's even retired, right? Any age. What is your advice to that person who is sitting there listening to this interview or even just sitting there and saying, man, I've got this idea or these ideas, right? And I want to do something with them, but I'm afraid to. What's like the first step that they can take? Or, or what's your advice to them to actually just get started? I would say ignore the noise, okay? There's something in life called crab mentality where if you put two crabs at the bottom of a bowl, one crab tries to get out, the other crab's going to bring him down. So because the one crab doesn't want to see the other crab succeed. And there's a lot of people out there that you think are your friends that on the surface want to see you succeed, but deep down they don't. And when you don't give a shit about what other people think or care, whether it's an entrepreneur or any part of your life, it's, it's such a, a liberating experience. If I, if I cared, like I went out to these tailgates and I cared what these people thought of me before I went up there. Like, oh my God, are they going to think I'm crazy? Are they going to think this game is stupid? If I thought that, I would never go up to one group. And I wouldn't sell one game. So you just have to have the attitude of going out there and not caring about what other people think. And look, the odds are definitely stacked against you as far as becoming successful. But that doesn't mean you can't. If you put enough hard work and tenacity behind anything, anything is possible. I know however corny that sounds, you, you hear it on TV or you hear an athlete that says, live your dream, blah, blah. They're a hundred percent correct. Steve Jobs, rest in peace, probably one of the smartest men on the planet. He had a quote that said, 
the world around you was created by no one smarter than you. Think about that. Yep. Why does a chair look like a chair? Because somebody else before you made it that way. Yep. Why didn't somebody put a hole in that chair and put field goal posts on? Why? Because they didn't think about it. They didn't have the idea and maybe they didn't have the guts to go after it. It's true with anything in life. Whatever you see around it, there's always going to be a better way to do it. Look at DoorDash. Look at Uber Eats, all these businesses. Look, I mean, it used to just be pizza delivery guys, right? Now anybody can make extra money if they have a car and they have two hours on the time. And I, hey, I could go make eight bucks right now if I just get in my car and just deliver something for four miles. Oh, okay. That's my lunch for the day. I didn't have to pay for it. I just made it in 15 minutes. Yep. That didn't exist before. It does now because there's intelligent people out there Absolutely. that are creating stuff. How do so you develop that? If you have an idea. If you have an idea, go after it a hundred percent. Don't go half-ass. Just do it. I love that. How do you develop the confidence to go after it? To not care what other people think? Was it something that you always had when you started this, or was it something that you developed? Because I feel like for ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of us, right, those doubts, those fears, those hurdles that we feel like we have to overcome—the voice in the back of our head that tells us that we're not good enough. It's there. It's there for me. It's there for me every day, right? So but at the same time, I I want to go out there. I want to beat that voice, right? I I kind of I, I I do self talk. I use whatever I got to do to say, you know what? Screw you. I'm gonna go out there and do this thing. I'm scared to launch this podcast. I haven't even put it out there yet, and I'm scared as hell. But ah, this I, should be the I, premiere I, episode. Put me on the premiere. Anyway, so this is what I would say. Um, I was scared 30 years of my life before I did it, right? Yeah. In my current job, everybody's like, Mike, why are you working? You should be a salesman. I'm like, what are you talking about? So you could talk to people, but I'm like, ah, whatever. You know how many times I heard that? And yep. I just never had the guts to do it until I was like, a, a switch just flipped off on, on me. As I got older, maybe it's maturity. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going after it. I don't care. Let's see where this goes. Yeah. And that's what I did. But for 30 years, look, we, my brother and I didn't introduce this to anybody because we were scared about what people would think about it. Look at all that time we wasted where we could have been selling this. Maybe we should be the spike ball that is today, or we should be cornhole that is today. If we had the guts to go after it, who knows? Yep. Or maybe the timing happened for a reason. It's right. easier to sell in e-commerce now, you know, to, to get stuff made in China. Who knows? who knows? But you know what? It's the path we took, and that's where we're at. And Absolutely. if there's somebody sitting behind the screen saying, should I go after it? You just got to ask yourself the question. Do you believe in the product? Do you believe in yourself? And if you do those two things, why not? Because if you're not going to do it, somebody else is going to have the guts to go after it and do it themselves. Absolutely. And I think I want to, I want to encapsulate that right, right there. I think there's two things that I'm taking out of this, you know, this, this answer that you just gave, which is why not you? And um, essentially, you know, in order to not care what other people think, right? You just have to go out there and do it. Right. That's like it. you have to give yourself the reps, the repetition, yes. you know, because you Dude. said you were scared for 30 years. Dude, the first time I went out to a tailgate, I was scared to death. Second time got a little easier. Third time. Now, now I'll just, I don't even ask people. I say, give me four people. They're looking at me. I said, look, give me four people. And I'll explain. I don't say, Hey, do you guys want to play? No, give me four people. Let's go. Let's go. And then the people listen, That's but awesome. it's, it, you, it's that progression, right? First yeah. time going out scared to death. What am I doing? This looks stupid. Somebody's, what if they say no? Uh, what if they say yes? You, you just don't know. Anyway, Absolutely. I'm sorry. 
I'm ready. No. No. Oh my gosh. No, don't ever apologize for bringing that energy and that wisdom to the table. Not on this show. Um, Mike, before I have one more question for you sure. to end the show and I end the show with this question every time. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to acknowledge you. Uh, you've been incredibly energi- energizing throughout this podcast. You've given so much wisdom to, you know, this entire audience to me. I have had a blast. This has been one of my favorite interviews just because you know our conversations are always great but you just bring so much energy to the table and i love your story and that's why i wanted to 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 have you on because you just bring such an energy um and such a passion for what you do and that in and of itself is the biggest teacher you know that that i I think that anybody could get from this um certainly though all the business advice and all the inspiration that you're given through everything that you're saying is is absolutely incredible um it's clear to me that you've gone through um, and, and just, you know, thank you for your time and thank you for coming on here. Thanks for uh, having me, man. I appreciate absolutely. it. So my last question and the show of this name is, is grow, right? Uh, so you, it's clear to me that you've gone through so much incredible business growth over the last, you know, let's call it seven ish years or six years since you've started the business. Um, six, six years, probably six years since you started the business, but yeah. you've also gone through a ton of personal growth, right? Oh, yeah. So I want to, I want to know what, what does the word growth mean to you? How do you define it? Growth for me um, means improvement. So if I start from point A and I grow, I get to point B. Um, if I made progress, to me, that's growth. Um, whether it's learning a new skill, uh, whether it's you know learning a new technique, uh, a new way of opening up a conversation with someone, or maybe understanding the business a little bit better or getting to that retail location, uh, I'm always constantly learning or, you know, getting a new freight forwarder. Uh, I don't know if you noticed what's happening with China. The cost of containers went from $3,000 to $25,000. I found an awesome contact. She charges only nine grand. I, it's a, a still an enormous amount of money, but I'm not, you know, spending that, that extra. Right. And, um, you know, finding those connections, streamlining the business. We now have a 3PL company that handles all of our shipments. I mean, we're just dialing everything in and every year, every month, every day we're growing. And if I'm moving the needle a little bit every day, I'm satisfied. So to me, growth means improvement. Growth means improvement. Move the needle a little bit every day. And when you make that progress, that's growth. I love that. That's incredible. So, so one guy told me, uh, a friend of mine said, he goes, Mike, starting a business is like pushing that boulder up a huge mountain. It's a huge task. But every once in a while, don't forget to look over your shoulder and see how, long, how far you've come. And that's one of the biggest bits of advice that was ever given to me. And I just, I say that to my brother, you know, some days like, you know, if we'll sell like, you know, I don't know, say, 40 games on our website in a day. We're like, Oh, how come we're not hitting, how come we're not hitting 60? We're not hitting 80. Frank, do you remember when we started off? We couldn't sell one. Now we're selling 40. I mean, it's crazy. Look at how far we came or hundred, 250, whatever it is, but always look back to see how far you came and it'll motivate you to go even further. Mike Silva. I can't add anything more. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to talk to you again on here at some point in the near future. Excellent, Dan. Thanks for having me. Anytime you want me back on, I'll be more than happy to be here. Thanks, Mike. Take care, buddy. Hey guys, thank you so incredibly much for listening to today's episode. It means the world to me. And I'm so grateful for any member of this audience. If you found today's episode valuable, 
go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you're listening to this show. Subscribe to the show, rate us five stars, and drop us a review if you can. It would mean the world to me. Remember, you are valuable, you are worthy, and you are already enough. Now let's go out there and grow together.